you make sure it's sharp and clean and it's ready. And it's uh, ready to go with you all the time. If you have your Bibles, turn over to John's Gospel. And we're going to be reading out of uh, chapters um, 4. And this passage is really uh, uh, something that's very powerful because you've got to realize that God is doing something in these last days and is going to use these powerful texts that have been in storage all these years. This is the admonition for the day. It's uh, John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> Do I hear any pages turning? Okay. Say ye not that there are not four months and then cometh harvest. Question mark. Behold, I saw under you, lift up your hands, look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that hath ripeneth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto the eternal, that the both he and the sower, he and the sower, and he that reapeth, may rejoice together. And herein it is saying, True, one soweth, another reapeth. I send you to reap, and when you thereon ye bestowed, no honor other than labor, but ye that enter and do the whole labor receive this experience. God is planting a harvesters all over the world. He's planting sowers to send out. In three or four months, he's saying it's going to be harvest time. Folks, we have the greatest opportunity in front of us right now to sow into the harvest. Financially, we can win the world. It takes sowers, and then it takes reapers. At some point in time, we're going to be called to reap. There's a harvest field out there. You can ride by at these places in Florida where these large uh, orange groves are, and they go for miles and miles. You go out into Montana, and you see where all these uh, potatoes are, are, are buried, in, and they're blossoming out. And yet there's a harvest coming. The apple people down in the Shenandoah, they seed what they harvest. There's a seed time at harvest. We are in harvest time. We need to send sowers. If you don't answer the call, you're not going to get answered on either one. Somebody's got to sow the seed. Somebody's got to harvest it. Can I hear an amen somewhere? I want you to become harvesters in these last days. Win souls. The enemy's doing everything he can to pull people away. He's working hard. The government and everybody else is against basically the church. They're not cooperating with us on things. You knew the laws that are being written even today. Laws that they've tried to pass and got turned down. You'll see you're amazed. Well, I say today in the church. Our message is it's harvest time. And one of the number one things, now listen to me, number one problem that's robbing us today is procrastination. It robs us of our success, robs us of our crowns, our jewels, our rewards, because we're letting the enemy deceive us. Procrastination is the kidnapper of souls. And it is the recruiting officer of hell. That's pretty strong, isn't it? 
That took procrastination is. Oh, I'll talk to them later. I got family I haven't talked to. Uh, they know what I stand for. That's not what I'm talking about. Have you asked, have you, let me pray with you and let Jesus come into your heart. Have you received Christ as your Savior? A witnessing power, financing what's going on overseas, missions. You'll never know what mission money, but the mission money gets paid over and over and over. Rewards for that. It doesn't take much either. We build buildings. We build drinking water. You know, we just to dig a well is, is, is bringing water. And Jesus said, I'm the living water. But just to give somebody a decent drink, clean water for the children. We've done all those things. We don't know how much harvest we've got coming through us. But for years, years and years, winning souls. Crusades look great. But you know when the crusade's over, people have got to go to work. Training. They've got to have a place to worship. They've got to have learn, get off rid of the gods that they pagan gods that are they're worshiping begin to worship Jesus Christ. The Lord's urging us for us to look on the fields of harvest. I'm making it my business and my point, not just starting this week, but for years, to be forward, to ask people, can I pray for you? Be bold. Have you received Christ as your Savior? They say no. You got, you got, you got a harvest field right there. These are friends. These are people you know. Oh, I don't like to talk to them about the Lord. They get offended. Well, let them get offended. You're dragging them out of hell. They're going to burn eternally forever and ever in the pit. Compromise so many things that we don't know what we're doing. I look at our Sunday school registers. See, I had checked out other churches. I'm not just looking here. It's all over. It's all over. Falling away. The younger generation, the parents don't even, they used to take them. Now they try to send them. When they used to bus them, uh, we had a bus ministry in America that was the largest in the world. You know, bus ministry's over. All the things that we've seen, they would go around, there was no kids to pick up. You know why? Parents said, oh, we're going to the beach. We've got a beach house now. We, we're going here. We're going there. And, and it's so-and-so's birthday. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and that's Okay. But you need to be born again. You're going to hell. You're not going nowhere. The Lord has urged us, that his people in the harvest fields, to look and say, the fields are ready. People say, oh, someday they'll just come into the church. You know, they need somebody to go get them. A sheep's got to go out. The shepherd's got to go get them. We're all family. It's so easy to fall into a trap. Well, they'll be all right. Somebody will get witnesses to them. How about your loved ones? How about your children? Parents was mandatory that their children get up and go to church on Sunday morning if they were if they were any 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 capable able if they weren't sick enough that they just couldn't make it today. It's not like that. The Lord tells us the fields are white under harvest. We need to lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes and look at the. Uh, uh, the horizon and see the lost. They're out there, folks. Most of them don't know if they're coming or going. We've been days when our Sunday school superintendents, where they would put a big number up, how many kids they've got, how many things for parties here, and vac VBSs, vacation Bible schools. 
you know, they don't even have them anymore. There's things that we're missing today that if something doesn't happen, we're going to lose that generation right, right in our own time. Many, many parents don't even, they don't come, so the kids don't come. Sometimes they just send them. Sad. The harvest is always white. It's, it's a blank sheet. It's just a piece of paper. But when you go out there and bring them out, I saw up in my wife, Betty, we were students. I had a church in Florida when I was a student. And migrant workers would come through there picking oranges off the trees and all the different fruits and things that they grew there. And they would come for about two or three months in the summer. And then that September, harvesting. And I went and bought to a pawn shop and bought my wife accordion, one of those things you pump like this, you know. And we would go out to the harvesters. The kids were out there playing, and their parents were picking oranges and things off the trees, pulling them, whatever they do with them. But we would get these kids, and we would sing Sunday school songs with them, pray with them, win them to the Lord, have them singing, Jesus loves me. Some of them are from foreign countries, Spanish or whatever, I don't know. But the parents were so thankful that we were entertaining them with the gospel. God's got a plan for you. There's somebody that you want to reach. Your neighbor, your family, your loved ones, your extended family, those that live on your street. You know, things have gotten so bad, Jehovah's Witnesses don't even come anymore. We have got to get focused on what's happening. It's harvest time. And Jesus said, if you can't go, send somebody. There's got to be somebody to receive that message. Call someone and just talk to them about the Lord. Pray with them. Say, well, they'll get offended. No, they won't. You, you, you're making excuses. God wants you to serve for somebody, winning them to Christ. People are hesitating. They mean well. They, they're good people, but they, 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 they just not quite sharp enough to go out and say, not bold enough to go out and say, uh, I'm a Christian and Jesus told me he loves me so much I want to share him. I love him so much I want to share him with you. We're not teaching doctrine here. This is just coming to Christ. I'm completing I'm not against this one or that one again, but I want you to come to Jesus. You can hide behind a denominational name, but that doesn't save you. You can, you can make a big name and say, I belong to this group here. Well, that's, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You've got to have Jesus in your heart, born again. It's my just simple interpretation. The harvest is always out there, but it's going to be expansive. It's going to get larger. People, they're, they're troubled by so many things today. And sin brings heartache, disappointment, despair. It brings things in their lives that sometimes we don't know how to get over. How brokenhearted are some families today because of things that their children have done? I go to the courts quite often on kind of juvenile things and intervene before a judge. The last judge I was going before I started walking towards the bench, he said, hold it right there. A judge. I was just walking towards him, but he was so offensive, defending himself in his position. Send this little girl away. I just ask for the parents to have one more opportunity to work with her. One more opportunity. And they said they would settle it privately out of court, out of the, out of the courtroom. 
I try to intervene for her. Do you realize that we're living in days that we don't intervene on behalf of the lost, dying society? We're going to lose a whole society, a whole nation, and matter of fact, the whole world. We see a large crusade and say, oh, that's wonderful. That's not a drop in the bucket. We're going to have a great revival in America, breaking out all over the country. It's time that we realize God wants the church to be revived. It should be filled, overflowing, looking up for his redemption, draw up nigh. Don't let him come and find you sleeping. Don't fall away and say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. These are perilous times, and we've got to be about our Father's business. Let us be redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He's calling us into a harvest field. You can't go send somebody. Doesn't mean you've got to finance it. You can pray for them, intercede for them. Let them be aware of the calling of God on their life. See, when something is ripe, doesn't mean it's white, it's ripe. You can buy some bananas, but if you just leave them lay there, don't bother them after a while, a few days, they'll start getting soft. And they look bruised and beat up on the outside. But on the inside, they're salvageable. When I was down through Central America, I used to go down there for revivals and crusades. The banana seasons, they would cut them when they were green, still green, because they had a market for them was way up here in the United States. They had to put them on ships and coolers and send them out to California and up to New York City and places like that. But only had to expect this short time of the life of that banana. It got too ripe. It got overripe. If it laid still too long, it got too hot, that would soil and lose. It had no value. We've got to get this field for harvest time ready. Make it a point to set some goals. Pray for people for a month or so and go make a visit to them. Have a list of five people, five or more. Tell them I'm praying for these and I'm, I'm going to visit them and I'm going to call how Jesus can work in their lives. What, what have you got to lose? I'm going to tell you. Crowns, jewels, rewards. Our reward is going to be on soul winning. He that when his souls is wise. Pray for them. If, if you can't talk to them personally, call them on the phone and say, I've been praying for you. I, I love you so much that I just know that God's got a great future for you. I have nephews that are in their 50s. I have grown adult families behind me that are lost, unsaved. Try to witness to those. You've known all your life. Oh, it's just you. It's just Uncle Earl. He's just preaching again. It's a matter of a soul going into eternity. It's a matter of someone slipping out of the kingdom hand into the kingdom of Satan and hell forever. Hell is real, folks. Heaven is assured. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but where I am, there you may be also. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. Harvest time is here. Your families, if you can't witness to them, mail them a card. Just get a nice Christian card and mail it to them. 
If you can't talk to them, if you can't do something loving, do something caring. The days that we're living are so critical that we're calling for harvesters, reapers. God wants you to be a reaper. Maybe you can't reach the one next to you, second to you, but maybe somebody on your street. Maybe you got a good friend that she's a wonderful, he's a wonderful person, but he's lost. People have never accepted Christ, they're lost. You can have Sunday school badges hanging all the way down your, your coattail, but if you don't know Jesus, you're lost. We've got it so easy in this country. You think you can just call on the phone and get, make everything ready, sent to you. Get a, get a trip to heaven. All you got to do is just make a call to the ministry on the television, and, and they'll, they'll set it all up for you. They'll take your name, and you're, you're on your way to heaven. It's not like that. You got to repent. You got to pray with somebody. I'm thankful for what everybody's doing, but it's deceptive. It's an experience. It's so powerful, it changes your life. Salvation is real. We're delivered. We're pulled by our loving Father back out of the hands and Jesus out of the pits of hell. It's not a lifetime experience. It's an eternal experience. It's forever. First years of our ministry here at this church, Howard Herman was our secretary, and he bought one of those fancy books recording all the deaths that happened in the church and funerals. And he would keep track of it for a while. He kept saying, Pastor, we got 75 you buried since we were here. And another year would go by at our business. He said, oh, there's 104 now, you know, and it goes on and on. That doesn't, that doesn't count. What counts is what's in your heart. You don't know whether somebody went to heaven or not. I've heard people, oh, yeah, man, hey, that, that, that good person, good person. Well, that's going to be judged one of these days. Going to be judged. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the books are open. That's what's going to be the final word. Oh, I went to Sunday school when I was a little boy. I got baptized. I was baptized when I was a baby. We had baptism, right? Yeah, they baptized you right when I was just my mama was holding me like that. That's not salvation. That's not salvation. You got to have that experience. Letting Jesus come into your heart. Blood bought, blood washed. Whiter than snow. Overcoming. Looking up where redemption draweth nigh, anticipating his soon return. I talk to people about the Lord's coming. Say, hey, get up, don't talk about that. I get, I get scared when you talk about that. Apparently, they're not ready to go. I'm not even going to take any luggage with me. I'm not packing anything. In a twinkling of an eye, folks, the rapture is imminent. I guess you've heard in the last few weeks there's been some big volcanoes exploding down in the Caribbean, Iceland, all over the world. Everything you can think of, end time measurements are, are exploding daily, daily. Lawlessness in the streets. Has anybody seen anything lawlessness in the streets? I never thought I'd see the day that our capital would be surrounded with fences and barbed wire and all the things that go with it. 
not for days, but for months now. That's just, that's just to give you an indication of what's coming. Babylon, the, the, the whole city Babylon is going to be destroyed. But before it is, Jesus is coming for his children. Come up here. Come hither. But it's soon and very soon. Oh, when I think about the harvesters. We lived down in Tennessee for a number of years. And what they have there is professional harvesters. People bring this huge amount of equipment that can cut a swat almost 50 or 100 feet, 300 feet wide for harvesting cotton and things like that. And they harvest the crop for the people. And they get a certain price for so many acres. The farmer wants that harvest in when it's ready because if it stays too long, it gets moldy. If it has rain, it gets wet, it ruins the harvest. Or something gets into it. All kinds of insects get into it and destroy it. They pay for the harvesters to come in with these big machines and they travel across the country. They do states like Texas and all those western states and they take in millions and millions of acres of harvest every year. We've got a world that's loaded with people. Missions, India, all the continents I can think of need great revivals. Their population is so heavy and they have so little. Water, food, and necessities, medical. You can't hardly go from here to Philadelphia going past 25, 30 hospitals. And you can go through a whole country in Kenya and places and not find a hospital there. Oh, they got clinics, if you call it. And I might as well use them as bare phone and bed sheets. Fields are white under harvest. When the Lord started this passage here that I'm reading totally, Say ye not that there are four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto the eternal, that both he and the sower, and he that reapeth, may rejoice together. And herein is that saying, true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to a reaping, and where you be sowed, no labor, no labor, other men labor. But ye are entering into their labor. It's harvest time, folks. It's time to reach out. Time to let God work in your life. I know you know this, but I want you to write down five souls. People that you really love. And commit to praying for them every day. And do you feel like talking to them about their soul? A week, a month? Call them on the phone. Just say, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me about what I want, what I feel for you. Don't say what I want you to do. Don't be a sergeant about it. You're not a drill instructor. You're, you're sent by God. You're an angel. And say, don't say, do me a favor. It's them that need the, the favor. But I'm believing that you're going to take this to heart. He that winneth souls is wise. God's looking for soul winners. 
You know, if you can't go, send somebody. That's what church giving is all about. You know, we, we can't everybody be overseas. It would be ridiculous. We've got a great nation here that needs to harvest. Our schools, our colleges, and places where you can't, you can't believe what's going on. But we need a harvest. The time is passing faster. Four months. Four months. Then cometh the harvest. I'm not prophesying. I'm reading the word of God. Do you know what could happen in your family in three or four months? You can win your whole family to Jesus. My oldest sister got saved when she was older. High school like that. You know, I'm not, not a child. She may have been out of high school, but high school age. And with her getting saved, she worked on my next sister. And she got saved. She married a guy, and they went in the ministry. They ended up in the ministry. Then my brother Howard was the next one. He gets saved. He married a girl out of a Methodist orphanage, thinking he'd get out of church and all, you know. What? He didn't know she was born again. And their parents were born again. And they worked on him until he surrendered. And he become a kind of a, what you might call a migrant Methodist preacher. He filled in for pastors when they were on vacation and stuff. He was a chemist, a college degree and all, man. He, he, he was on his way. But God intervened. All of his life, he was a patch, Methodist pastor where he filled in for pastors. My whole family was won by people that were related or got related to them. And we went to a Baptist church, every one of us. I mean, we walked from the house to the church. That's how close it was. But salvation came. I started dating Betty, and it wasn't long, maybe one date or two. She had me in church. What? I was driving a Corvette car, and and, and, and had my eyes on how fast this thing can go. But them ladies in that church, boy, they got on their knees, and they were under the pews, prancing. Oh, we're gonna, we, we got him. We got this. 30 days later, I filled the Holy Ghost. Didn't even know what it was. Didn't hear about it. Nobody ever taught me about the Holy Ghost. Baptists don't teach people about speaking in tongues. The devil. It only took a few months. I was in college. Betty was just, a, I mean, she was just really fresh out of high school. Boy, her mom put up a fit. She said, we're going to get married. She was, she didn't like that. She put, well, not this year. <laughs> and then she went on. But, you know, we did. Took her off to Florida. Went to college. We had a time. It was, a, it was the most wonderful experience in life. I had been in the Marine Corps. And, and, being around kids again, it kind of annoyed me. They were so stupid and juvenile and immature. But you know what? I become the I become a, a leader. I was I had a church while I was a student. I had a church out in the country. I brought them all out to the church. And said you're going to be my Christian workers in Sunday school. I had about 25 kids working for me in church. Church grew like crazy. We were outside. Had classes outside. The building wasn't big enough. Remodeled it, built it up, put palm trees around it. It was beautiful. If once you get a vision, nothing can stop you. Columbus come across this ocean on a vision. He's reading the stars. He, I mean, he didn't know where they was going except it was somewhere new. A new world. 
and you let the very thing I'm talking about rob you. Procrastination is what it's called. I'll talk to him later. About a year ago, a fellow that around here, everybody knows who that is, Holiday Junkyard down in Salem, his oldest son is in the hospital dying. I would say he's pretty close to 45 or 50. I knew he was in the hospital, and I knew the family. I knew his father and mother very well. They have a nice home down in the uh, Hancock Bridge there, one of those old colonial homes. And um, I went in to see him, and his wife said, well, he's not seeing anybody right now. I said, I think he better see me because I might be the last person he sees. She got highly offended by that. So two or three of them stayed in the room while I was there. And I start talking to him about his soul. They looked at each other and they walked out. All the girls walked out. One of them was his sister. His, um, I don't know where the other two other girls over there. He looked up at me and like, has it come to that? Said, this is your day of opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. Be born again. He looked at me like, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Dying. I'm not even going to say what it is because it was so dis it's so shameful and disgraceful. Most people wouldn't even want to be around him. And he kind of shook his head. I didn't know that that meant yes or no. I said, you're going to accept Christ as your Savior. Before the weekend, he was dead. Do you know if you slip out into eternity without Jesus, you're doomed forever. Forever! Not for a season. Not for a reoccurrence. There's no rebirthing. There's no miracle working in hell. In hell. You're loved ones. I had an uncle that was in World War II, and he stood in trenches with water up to his knees for days and days and days, and his feet got where they were messed up. They were some kind of disease in his feet. Got where he could walk barely. Just, and he was out of the army, and, and he stayed in the house all the time because he couldn't walk very well. Had a big chair, and he set this big chair with a foot thing, and they put oil and things on his feet, meditations. Uncle Howard. We were leaving to go to California, and I knew I would never see him again because he was in pretty bad shape. So I went over to have my Bible with him. I said, Uncle Howard, looks like all the girls are gone shopping. Nobody's here. Let me talk to you about Jesus. He's smoking a cigar. He took it out and put it in the ashtray and just dashed it a little bit like that. I said, I want to tell you a story about Jesus, how he loves people. I would say it took me 30 minutes to get to where I could say, can I pray with you? Just talking about the Bible and, and sweet, you know, no condemnation, no guilt. And I said, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Savior? He kind of, like that, you know. And I said, this is your day. This is your time. Will you accept Christ as your Savior? And you know what he said? Not today. Not today. Well, Betty and I were leaving to go to California, like I said. We left Virginia and come back to head that way. And before we got to California, anybody know what a telegrams are? Anybody, anybody ever used a telegram? We got a telegram. A telegram. They found out we were in the motel somewhere in Phoenix or somewhere, I don't know, out west somewhere. 
And they said, we were going to get a telegram tonight. They called and called me, and, and, and we didn't have cell phones. You had to get, get on a, we registered at this hotel, and then they said to check back with them, and I did, and then I got this telegram. Uncle Howard passed away. Harvest is so important. Harvest is so important. Souls are out there. And if we don't win them, they're lost. If you, if you just can't realize how important it is to reach the little kids, buy them little storybooks these days. Get, get videos, get, get cassettes, get things that they can play with and let them hear the story of Jesus. Get them color books with all about the Bible stories and miracles of Jesus. Invest in these kids. That's the least you could do for your grandkids. Not buying them $80 sneakers. Not keeping them in, the, in clothes that are designer clothes. They're not going to do them any good. But if they learn the story about Jesus, Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are seen by Jesus alone. Jesus loves them. He loves you. He loves your family. Don't be, don't be let, let the devil make you procrastinate on witnessing to somebody. Not praying for somebody. A loved one. Just even if you go behind them, put your arms around them and pray silently. Pray over them until they get ready to accept Jesus. Well, we're not out of time. This, this is just the beginning of what this is all about. Being white to harvest. If you can't see it, you don't, you don't even know what's happening. This harvest will come and go, and you'll never be a part of it. In America, we're blessed. We hear so much gospel. We think everybody knows. No, they don't. They don't know it at all. Because no man knows when he's coming. It may be our, lunch, our next meal may be in heaven. Glory to God. Think about it, church. Bam! We're out of here. So I want to say this morning, how many will commit to getting at least five people on your prayer list that you'll be praying for? Five people. Five people. Five people. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Pray for your old bosses and people that you've worked with, labor with, and, and all down through the years. They're not saved. We ask it in Jesus' name today that we be blessed. Blessed going in, blessed going out. Where we put our lines and our hearts to will be recorded in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to bless these people, our loved ones here today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you for coming today.